Have you tried everything from natural to pharmaceutical just to get a good night's rest? Join me, Martha Lewis, as I unpack what's really keeping you up at night and how to change it. You're listening to The Insomnia Fix. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I am excited today to have Dr. Alyssa Wolf with us, and we are going to be talking about pain and how it relates to sleep. And Alyssa is a chronic pain specialist. She is a doctor of physical therapy, but has turned into a chronic pain coach and came up with her program, the Chronic Pain Breakup Method. So we're going to be talking about how pain and sleep are connected and what you really want to do to deal with pain. It's more than just regulating your nervous system. So yeah, thanks for joining me, Alyssa. Well, thank you for having me. It's It's been really fun getting to know you and like meeting you back when we first did the gluten-free summit. And so here we are getting to chat and talk about pain and sleep and all those things. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. And yeah, I've been following Alyssa for a while since we did the summit together. She has great content on, I see it on Instagram. I think she's on TikTok as well, but yeah, very creative and, but helpful content. So I highly recommend you following her there, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about at the end. But yeah, I'm curious how you got into this, how you, you know, start in physical therapy and kind of have changed paths a little bit since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It has. It has always, for me, there's always been this like innate passion for chronic pain. Like it's always been there. I think when I first chose the field of physical therapy, I had no idea that I would end up doing this. But, but, you know, while I was in grad school, I had an interest in like the, this weird thing that I had thought about. I was like, well, PTSD can cause like a symptom of PTSD can be pain then, and physical therapy, we treat pain. So we should be the ones like researching that. And because we we're probably going to get people who have pain as a symptom of PTSD. So I was like, I really am interested in that. And then I had a really great instructor mentor who kind of taught me more about pain neuroscience. And so that interest sort of just grew from like, just wanting to work with people with PTSD to anyone with pain syndromes. And I've learned a lot along the way. I've, I've had lots of really, I always say that like my journey has led me to this. Like I didn't choose chronic pain. It just kind of guided me along this path with different mentors and different trainings. And I've always, I think I have been blessed with just having that unique passion for doing this and passion for working with this population. But my, my journey, what really like pivoted my, me from going from physical therapy to what I do now was like realizing that as a physical therapist, like I was doing these like generic exercises, like leg lift, like I'm realizing, like, I know that the person in front of me needs more than this, like the manual therapy and the modalities and these generic exercises, because they've done this six different times before in their life. And like, what kind of PT exercise am I going to show them? That's going to change that. It's really not. And so it was like, I know that there's this other component beyond just the physical strength of the body. And there was that it involved the nervous system. And so I knew I needed to do something about that. And I tried for years on my, you know, journey in, in different clinics across the U S I developed different pain programs, but eventually it just got me to the point where I was fighting against the healthcare system and the rules and regulations of, you know, what we can do as providers and, 
um, insurance companies and billing and all of that. And so I just said, you know, screw that. I'm going to leave that environment and just do what I know people need and put that together into a program. So that's why today I say I'm a pain coach rather than a physical therapist. So it's it's very confusing to explain what that means, but <laughs> that's where I'm at and kind of how I got here. So yeah, awesome. Yeah. And yeah, it sounds like it has to do with regulations and the medical system. And I think, unfortunately, for a lot of different conditions, including what you're doing with pain, what I'm doing with sleep, like the medical system isn't helping. And so we do need to step outside of that to really be able to help people in a way that's going to make a big difference. So, oh yeah. 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 And so many people, I think we're, we're trained to not realize that like, we're kind of like culturally like brainwashed that medical system should be able to give us everything we need. But the reality is like, it's really more of a sick care system rather than a healthcare system there. They'll treat you when you're sick enough, but they won't teach you like how to They'll say, hey, you know what, exercise more and eat better. But like, okay, how? What do I do? How do I do that? <laughs> there's seven, there's like millions of different diets I could go on. Which one? <laughs> you know? Right. So they won't teach you the how to really help yourself. And so sometimes we have to step out of that system to to get that part of it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's you know, it's a me- medicine's amazing for saving lives and yeah, uh, and treating disease you know, with drugs, but yeah, not in prevention, not in really restoring Mm -hmm. health. So, yeah. Yeah. So I totally agree. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'd love to get into, you know, the pain and sleep connection and what happens to your body when you're in pain and to your nervous system. Mm -hmm. Yes. So just to do a little bit of educating on what is all of this about. So, yeah. So Sleep and pain, what a like chicken or the egg, like did sleep cause the pain problem, like lack of sleep cause the pain problem or did, you know, pain cause the sleep problem? I think there, there's a little bit of both going on. But when we kind of try to look at this from through the, the lens of, of the nervous system, what ends up happening when you have any kind of pain, it is your, your body's alarm to let you know, like, Hey, potentially something is going on here. We're trying to protect you from a potential injury, most likely, or some kind of infection or some, some kind of like your body's trying to protect you from something, whether it's an injury or an infection for the most part. And so it activates pain at the alarm to let you know that's happening. But the other thing that happens is your body will switch on. It's like fight or flight response. And whether you're getting chased by a bear or you're just having regular day-to-day stressors, including pain, physical pain is a stressor, our flight, fight or flight responses are the same. Unfortunately, we didn't evolve different like fight or flight responses, protective mechanisms. Our fight or flight responses are the same. And so you not only feel pain, but that fight or flight response is going to, it's designed to help you survive. So it's going to say, you know what, let's reallocate resources in our body to make sure that you are in the best physical, physiologic shape to survive. One of the things that it's going to do is say, you know what, if that bear is chasing me, it is not conducive for my survival to sleep. So your body is going to say, I don't want to sleep right now. I'm not going to let you sleep because it's safer for you to survive if you stay awake. So sleep becomes impacted. A lot of people you know, come to me and they're like, I can't sleep because I'm just uncomfortable and I'm always constantly moving. And I think that is a part of it too. You know, you can't, you're uncomfortable, you want to move. 
you want to find the right pillow and the right mattress and all of that is constantly going on. But I think it's more, more than just the comfort part. So there is that piece as well. So your sleep gets affected, but that's not the only thing that happens. You know, it affects our digestive systems. It says it pulls research resources from our gut and moves at other places. It pulls resources from your reproductive system and says reproducing is not a priority right now. So a lot of times we see lots of issues with like low libido and reproductive dysfunction, abnormal periods, painful periods, endometriosis, all of those other fun, not fun things. It affects our immune system. So it, it throws our immune system off like crazy. It's going to essentially like ramp up the pro-inflammatory side and ramp down the anti-inflammatory side because it's a protective inflammatory agent. And then that's where you get all these people feel a lot of systemic inflammation. And then that sensitizes the nervous system, makes things more painful in, in itself. And then of course, survival situation, our brain changes, like how we think changes. So our brain is going to say, it's not the time to form new memories because we're trying to survive. So we end up having these like brain fog and the inability to focus and concentrate and poor memory. Like we're like, where are my keys? You know, where did I put my phone? Can't find anything. Can't remember appointments, irritability. So all of these things start to happen when our body is like in this survival situation. And one of the other things too, that I'll mention, and I'm saying like it reallocates resources, it pulls it from these rest and digest functions, but it puts that energy into the more like the muscle activation and says like, you know what, if we need to fight, flee or freeze at any moment, then our muscles need to be ready. So it increases muscle tone in the big body mover muscle group. So your upper traps, these guys up here in your neck tend to get super tense. They feel like rocks. They feel like they have little knots in them. The, The muscles that run up and down the spine, they're called the paraspinals. Those tend to get overactivated, super tense, super tight. And your hip flexors, you know, so those types of muscle groups will feel super tight and no amount of stretching can relieve that because your body is saying, we're trying to protect this potential injury. Let's tense it up. Let's guard and protect that area. So all of those things then feed back into the pain because if you're having super tense muscles, you know, it's putting pressure on your muscle, your joints, your nerves, everything in that, in that, in those areas are now not moving as well because there's muscle imbalances. And then that feeds right back into the experience of pain. So it's this big cycle. It's nasty. And so, you know, from my perspective, from my very biased opinion and my experience is that, you know, our approach is generally to address the the physical components, like stretch the muscles and loosen up your joints and, you know, do injections and work on the inflammation. But really like, those things will only get you so far until you address like what is telling the nervous system to be in fight or flight in the first place, right? Because, you know, that's what we were talking about, like regulating versus retraining. Regulating your nervous system would be things like trying to calm your body down and get out of this fight or flight response. And so things like, just as an example, like a breathing drill, for example, a simple breathing drill can have an immediate effect on your physiology and shift you out of fight or flight and into rest and digest. And that's, that's a beautiful and wonderful thing. We want to do that. It's a good skill to have to be able to do that. But at the same time, if the nervous system is constantly saying like, I need to protect you, it's just going to snap right back into that fight or flight response. So we have to not just regulate, but also retrain. And so that is 
where I, what I would recommend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. And I mean, yeah, when I talk to a lot of people with sleep issues, they also feel like they're in this constant fight or flight and the test results will actually show that like cortisol is really elevated, things like that. So yeah. So I love your approach, especially with pain of like, it's more than just regulating the nervous system. It's really retraining. So can you elaborate a little about that? What is retraining? Yeah. It's this like big, weird thing that I think, you know, we have a lot of preconceived like ideas of like, you know, whenever I talk to somebody new and they've never heard of this, they're like, so you're like a psychologist or like, so you're like, you like tell us to like think your way out of pain. And it's, it's not like that at all. We're actually implementing some drills and strategies that will change the activity in the nervous system. And the best way that I can explain how that works is to tell you what some of the changes are in the nervous system, rather than really telling you the tactics, because we can dig into the, the tactics at any time, but understanding this piece is more, more important. And so one of the changes that happens, for example, in the brain, changes, by the way, as an aside, happen at all levels of our nervous system. So you have a brain, but you also have a spinal cord and a peripheral nervous system and your autonomic nervous system. All of those, there are changes that happen in all parts. So when somebody says like, oh, so it's all in my head or all it's all in my brain, it's not. There's actually stuff happening in the spinal cord and outside of there in your body as well. But in the brain, one of the changes that happens is we call it smudging, super technical term. Uh, <laughs> but smudging, what it is, is basically the brain loses some of its ability as a result of being in pain for a long time. It loses some of its ability to correctly process the information it gets from the body. So what happens is, let's say you have knee pain, because that's an easy one. Knee pain, your peripheral nerves are going to pick up information from the knee. It's going to send that information to the spinal cord. The spinal cord passes it up to the brain. The brain receives that information, that message. And its job is to interpret that message and decide what to do with it. Do I need to protect you or not? And what happens because the brain goes undergoes this smudging change, as it gets that message, it goes, oh crap, I don't know what this means. I don't know what the message is trying to tell me. It can't it correctly interpret the information that it's getting from the body. And so as a result, it's going to say, well, because we can't tell, it's the, the best thing that I can do because my job is to help you survive and keep you intact is to protect you and assume that it is something dangerous when we just don't know. So for example, like, you know, the message could just mean like you put on a pair of pants and all that message is telling your brain, like you're wearing pants, but the brain is saying, it's instead of hearing you're wearing pants, your brain is saying, your brain is getting a message and it's just like an unmarked package. And it's like, well, oh, this could be bad or it could be nothing, but I can't tell. So I'm going to protect you. I'm going to activate pain as the potential injury, danger, danger, alarm. And then I'm going to also activate those protective responses because just in case, maybe we need to fight, flee, freeze, you know, tense up the muscles around the knee joint because we don't know, maybe it's injured. We need to keep it safe. So that's what one of the things that happens. So when I say, you know, regulating the nervous system isn't enough, we have to go one step deeper. We have to shut down the thing that it's constantly telling it to activate that. And so when we talk about retraining the nervous system, these drills actually help to strengthen up that interpreting power of the brain, the processing power of the brain. So when it gets that message, it goes, ah, you're telling me I'm wearing pants. I don't need to react to that. Or you're telling me that the weather changed. 
I don't need to react to that. Or, okay, I'm stressed. That shouldn't mean I'm in knee pain. So things that shouldn't normally be causing pain don't actually cause pain. So that is one thing that nervous system retraining does. Another thing that nervous system retraining does is it helps to unwire these like hardwired connections and, and pathways that our body develops. And a way that I can describe that is, you know, anytime you learn something or practice something like, let's say like tying your shoes or learning to drive stick shift is my favorite because I have very personal experience with this. It was not fun <laughs> to learn stick shift, but after you do it so often, it becomes so automatic. And then when I get into an automatic vehicle, I'm like, where is the pedal? <laughs> but because it's just, and so what's happening is like, we call it muscle memory, right? When we're, we develop muscle memory, but it's actually nervous system memory that's happening with pathways. These synapses are forming, they're getting stronger. They're, they're, they're learning. Your nervous system is learning. And so the same thing can happen when we experience pain over and over and over for years those pathways, those synapses become well rehearsed. And in the brain, like when part of the, the pain pathway gets activated, it's just so automatic that the rest of it just activates. And it's just like, we do this. We've done this so many times. We're so good at it. It just activates automatically. And then what happens is that pathway itself, the pain pathway starts to make connections with other pathways. So for example, let's say in the first year you had pain every time you did the dishes, you felt pain because it's like an awkward position you're leaning forward and you're standing for a long period of time. So it makes sense that that might activate pain, but let's say every time you did the dishes, it activated pain. So now your nervous system is learning dishes, pain, dishes, pain, dishes, pain. And so the nervous system, because it's like, let's not waste resources here. We're doing the dishes. Let's do the next step. We already know what's going to happen. So I'm just going to activate the next step. So it forms these automatic connections between the things that shouldn't normally activate pain, the things that you do every day. So doing the dishes causes pain, riding in a car causes pain, bending down to put your shoes on. It's just the thing that it's programmed to do now. So nervous system retraining drills are going to allow the brain to practice those strategies or the, the activities, the things that you're doing, like doing the dishes without activating pain so that that pathway starts to break down and become less automatic. And then once the brain starts to experience like, okay, we're doing the dishes and we're not having pain, like, is this safe? It's like the brain is learning that these things are safe and it can do it safely. And so again, it's kind of learning like, huh, I don't have to be afraid. I can actually not activate that protective response and just sit back and chill a little bit. It's cool. We're going to do the dishes. No big deal. Like, you know, it's not reacting to every little thing as if everything is, is scary, dangerous, causing injuries. So yeah, that I hopefully did an okay job explaining how that works. Yeah, definitely. No, that was a great explanation. Of course, I'm like, how do you do this? That sounds awesome. But you have to work with Alyssa to find out. <laughs> well, I mean, so it's, it's, of course, everybody wants to know, like, how, like, what are the drills? What are the strategies? And I'm happy to share what some of them are, but just to know, to note that it, it's not like you can just do one of the drills or strategies and then you're good to go. Like it's not one exercise, it's a whole system. And so in the system that I know that works, it includes the nervous system retraining elements. It includes 
neuroscience education and learning about what is going on in my body, because that provides safety as well. That provides your nervous system with a sense of like calmness, because now it's like learning, like, wait a minute, maybe not every single pain that I've experienced is actually because of an injury, even though it feels like it is. And the pain you feel is real, like, but you're, you're starting to learn like, okay, maybe my nervous system is overreacting. The pain that I'm feeling is an exaggeration. You're not exaggerating, but your nervous system is, it's amplifying things. Um, to have a better understanding of what's going on in your body, that education piece is very, very important. People want to skip that. They're like, just tell me the drills. Let's go. That in itself is incredibly healing. I, I have a lot of people that go through my program. They start doing the education piece and they're starting to feel better in the first few weeks, just from the education alone. And they've never done a single drill. So that is a very important piece. There's your bottom up retraining drills, which I call, they, they help retrain the nervous system from the bottom up. So retraining the peripheral nervous system. I do that with what I call nerve mobility drills. And um, people probably, some people listening may have tried nerve mobility drills. It's not like some secret or anything. There's different names for them. So I just call them all nerve mobility drills, but they can help to retrain the peripheral nervous system if they're done correctly. If you're, they're not done correctly, which is oftentimes how they're taught in the physical therapy clinic, they will just make the problem worse. So very careful on how to do those. And then you have to have your top-down strategies, your brain retraining components as well. I can just say what some of them are. So if anyone has heard of them, great. <laughs> if you want to look them up, great. That's okay too. But we have left-right discrimination drills. We have motor imagery drills. We have sensory discrimination drills, which is like its whole category of different versions of doing similar drills, and then mirror therapy drills. So the one of those that most people have heard of is mirror therapy because it's it was used in amputees to help treat phantom limb pain. And the reason it works for chronic pain in the same way it works for phantom limb in, in phantom limb pain is, you know, if you think about it, what's happening in phantom limb is they might not have a foot anymore, but the foot in the brain is still there and the foot in the brain is still getting activated and still firing. And it may be erroneously, but they use mirror therapy to essentially retrain those pathways and teach the brain like, okay, there's no foot, like everything is safe. We don't need to be reacting this way. So in the same way, we use that drill for anyone with pain who does have all of their limbs or not. We can still do it, you know, if you don't, but <laughs> so that's an important element. And then pacing is important. So we teach pacing. We have to have sleep on board, which I think we're going to talk more about in a minute. Sleep is important in, in, in all of this like retraining process. We have to have that. We ha also have to have a strategy, a plan for how to address flare-ups. A lot of people come to me and the first thing they ask is, what can I do to get out of a flare-up? And while there's probably a few things we can add to your toolbox of like flare-up management, what's more important is what are you doing to prevent and predict your flare-ups? Because if all you ever do is just retroactively say, okay, how do I get out of pain? But you never learn how to not go into pain. Um, it's not that effective. So what's more important is, is the predicting and prevention strategies as well. And then of course we can give you some more tools to get out of pain, but having both of those is really important. And then of course, learning the right ways to start incorporating stretching and strength training, because that is still a part of this, even though you may have a nervous system problem that needs retraining, you probably, you no doubt still have tense muscles. You still have these muscle imbalances and we need to work on that as well. And so 
really it comes down to learning how to do those pieces without putting yourself in more pain. Because usually most of the time people come to me and they're like, yeah, I've done physical therapy, but every time I do it, I hurt for like two weeks. So it doesn't really, that's not really a good way to go about it. We want to make sure we don't flare up the pain. So learning those principles of how to stretch and how to strength train when you have chronic pain is, is important as well. So it's a whole system. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Like I, I think of comparing it to, you know, how I help people with sleep too. It's like, it's not an overnight thing. There's not just one thing. Everything is so connected. Like you can't just do one exercise and expect to get better. Same with sleep. You can't just take one supplement or one pill or just look at gut health or just liver health. Like everything's really connected. So yeah, it sounds amazing that you're I everything. I, I love the pun of sleep doesn't come overnight, but that one just gets me every time, but it's so true. We, we, I think, again, I think because of the healthcare system and the way that it operates, we're kind of trained to like, look for the one solution. I, I was just having a conversation this weekend with somebody who was like, well, who's the one doctor I should be seeing for this pain? And I was like, why do we think that there needs to be one doctor and one solution? He was asking me like, so should I get stem cells or PRP injections? And I was like, I mean, you could, but you need to have these other elements as well, because it's not just a stem cell problem. Like you have this and you have this and you need to still be doing your physical therapy and, you know, addressing every part of it. Otherwise it's like a bandaid, you know, that's why I say it's a system. So you can't just do one thing and expect that to, to fix every part of your problem. Sleep is the same way. So yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about why sleep is important for overcoming this chronic pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. Basically when, if we're trying to do all these strategies and drills to retrain our nervous system, you can do a lot of that during the day, obviously, but when your, your nervous system is really like going in and pruning synapses and really like cleaning up, you know, gunk in our brains like we actually have gunk in our <laughs> like it goes in and does all the cleanup and everything rewiring when we sleep and especially during those deeper stages of sleep so sleep is very important it's like one of the very fundamental steps that you have to have in this process and of course it may not be perfect you know sometimes people might say like well my sleep is never going to be perfect i've tried all the things i've already worked with martha and it's still not that they <laughs> ever have that complaint but like They've done everything. They'll say that I've done everything to get my sleep on board. So it's impossible to retrain my nervous system. No, like no matter what, it can be better. It may not be perfect and that's okay, but we really do need to be working on that component if you really want to be successful with, you know, retraining the nervous system. So like I said, it is a double-edged sword, right? Sleep causes you to not, not having sleep causes you to have more pain and pain causes you to not have sleep. So it's like this, like, oh cycle, but we can work on it. You know, we can work on that and improve it. So, and maybe Martha can make it perfect. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think anyone sleeps perfectly hundred percent of the time. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I sleep great 95% of the time. I think that's great. And, you know, I'd say my husband who's never had sleep issues also has an off night every now and then where he's like, you know, so I think it's never perfect. Yeah. Same. <laughs> um, yes. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and then, you know, 
kind of wanted to briefly just touch on the problem with sleeping pills and mm -hmm. you know how those medications affect our sleep when dealing with pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I had to confirm this with Martha because I I was a while back I had heard that sleeping medications don't actually let you dive into those deeper stages of sleep the like you know REM sleep I'm hoping I'm saying all the right basically <laughs> but it doesn't let you like really sink into those deeper stages of sleep you're kind of more in that superficial lighter phases so if you're really really wanting to retrain the nervous system that's when it's happening it's in the deeper stages of sleep that all of that is happening and if if you're just taking a pill to sleep more hours you're not getting the quality sleep and so you won't feel you won't wake up feeling rested and restored but also at the same time you're not getting as much of a benefit as you think you might be in terms of the retraining elements if you're trying to you know use sleep as a as a strategy to help with your pain it may not be as effective so while i'm not saying like don't use pain no not pain pills no don't use pain pills no don't use sleeping pills like you know use them right? But also try to incorporate some of the other health, like natural strategies, because there's always room for improvement. Yeah. More yeah. holistic approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think most people listening, they don't want to be on sleep meds. That's why they work with yeah. me. They don't want to be on them. And there's definitely no judgment for people who are because, yeah, it sucks not to sleep. So it's like, I get it that we yeah. get it. But yeah, but it's also not going to help in the healing process. So right. You know, how I like to address it is, well, let's figure out why you aren't sleeping and then we'll work on getting off the sleeping pills. But yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's interesting, you know, to relate that to pain and how it might not be helping you, even though it's sedating you, mm -hmm. it's not actually helping your body heal, which is what you want to be doing to yeah. overcome pain. So yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. What are your thoughts on CBD for sleep? I think it can help because it's anti-inflammatory and has those properties. But again, I think it's more of a Band-Aid. It's not getting to mm -hmm. why the inflammation is there, which is what I'm looking for. So yeah, I don't know if, if maybe that is similar to what you think about it for pain as well. I, I look, well, I, I look at CBD as it's, it's one of those things where if it benefits people and they can afford it, then... I don't see the harm in doing it. It's kind of one of those things like, you know, the biggest risk I think with CBD is, you know, if you hate the side effects, then okay, that makes sense. Like maybe not your favorite thing, but, but if you can afford it and, you know, you found something that works for you, like no harm. Right. And of course, if you're feeling better because you have other strategies that you're doing and you don't need it as much, then great. But, but yeah. And I would say, you know, you're, you're mentioning about like the, the, coming off of because nobody wants to actually be taking sleep medications nobody actually wants to be taking pain medications like i don't want this really i mean i need it right now but i want to come off of it and so like really that's where you know the kind of work that you and i do in our own respective ways like it will give people the confidence to be able to come off of that when it's the right time when of under medical supervision of course because we're we're not allowed to technically, you know, take you off of your medicines, but it's something that will give you the confidence when it's the right time, when it's, when it's your goal to come off of those. So yeah, it's about not forcing you to do it. You don't have to come off of them, but when you're ready and with the right strategies, you'll be able to. 
So yeah, exactly. Like your body's going to be more likely to be able to sleep or to not be in pain. So that's the best time. Yeah. Yeah. Those. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, I don't have any more questions for you. Is there anything else you want to add? Not a whole lot. No, I, I just want to hopefully inspire people to understand that there is so much more that they can be doing in this process. I think like we've talked about the medical system a few times, but throwing a lot of rocks at them at the medical system. But, you know, I, I think that there's, they, they encourage us to do so much waiting in terms of pain. Like they're, they're, having you wait for a referral. They're having you wait to get an appointment with a specialist months at a time. They're having you jump through hoops to get your MRIs done. And, you know, I get so many people who are like, oh, you know what? I don't want to get started because I'm going to wait. I have an appointment in a couple months with my rheumatologist. And it's like, you know, they're, you're waiting and doing nothing else. Like while you wait, there is so much more that you can be doing to address your pain and start feeling better right now, like on your own, that doesn't involve the medical system and the medical system will never be able to give you those strategies that you can be doing right now. So why not do everything in your power to make your life as best quality of life that you can create, you know, by doing everything that you can. So that's what I would say. I'd hope to inspire and empower anyone listening with that message of Let's get you equipped with everything, the knowledge and strategies that you can use to get yourself feeling better now. Yeah. And stop the cycle as soon as possible because the longer it goes on, the harder it is to, and the yes. longer it's going to take to break that. So yeah, I feel the same way yeah. about sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, tell everyone where they can find you and I'll link to all of this in the show notes as well, but your website and social media. Mm-hmm. My website is www.alissawolf.com. That's A-L-I-S-S-A-W-O-L-F-E.com. And um, you can find me on Instagram or TikTok at Pain Crusader. Yeah, those are the best ways to find me. I also have a Facebook group if you're interested in joining at the free Facebook group called Battling Chronic Pain with Neuroscience. It's a really great community. I share lots of valuable information in there that you may not find on my other platforms. And I also have a podcast. Come check me out on whichever podcast platform you listen to. That one is called the Chronic Pain Breakup Podcast. So follow me there, listen along, and um, don't hesitate to reach out, DM me, send me an email, say hi, and let me know what questions you have. Now I can support you. Awesome, Melissa. Well, it's so great to chat with you about this and you're helping people in this amazing way. So Yeah. I hope that if, you know, any of my listeners dealing with pain and sleep issues, like you can benefit from, from working on both of those things. So yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks everybody for listening and yeah, have a blessed day. (laughs) Thank you. It was so great to talk to Alyssa and I hope that you found that helpful as well. I just want to add that I've talked about vagus nerve exercises and how those can help get out of flight or flight. And I do think that that is still very helpful when dealing with sleep. I can see how you need something deeper to really rewire the brain for something like chronic pain. But I do still think that vagus nerve exercises, other things to calm your nervous system are going to help. Like the more you do that, the more your body gets used to being 
in that calm, relaxed state instead of in that fight or flight state. All right, now I want to answer a question from Megan in my Facebook group. And this is something I haven't talked about on the podcast before. She was talking about nightmares and what to do about nightmares. There's not an easy, you know, straightforward answer for this. You know, a lot of people think that, of course, reducing stress is going to help with reducing nightmares because we tend to play out what we're stressed about in our dreams. You know, that's going to be the first step. But there are also some other things that might help. You know, making sure that your B vitamins are balanced can really help. It seems that nightmares can be caused by too much B6, for example. So if you're taking any sort of B vitamin by itself, you don't want to do that for too long. You want to take some kind of B complex. And ideally, I recommend taking it in a methylated form because about half of the population has a gene that won't let us use, you know, vitamin, B vitamin supplements unless they are methylated. So if you look for methylfolate or methylcobalamin, things like that, that methyl donor is already attached so it can be used by the body. So to be safe, I think anyone, you know, can take these methyl vitamins to make sure that you're going to be able to actually use them. You also don't want to take too many B vitamins in general. So if you're taking high doses, that could have something to do with nightmares and sleep issues. So it's really about balance and knowing what's going on in your body. Another thing that can help is protein before bed. Getting the amino acids and making sure your blood sugar isn't spiking can really help as well. And then, you know, there's also this idea that chemical toxicity can lead to nightmares, which has to do with liver function, right? If there are more toxins in your liver can handle, those are building up in the body. They're causing all this inflammation. They're causing your body to release cortisol. That can also lead to nightmares. So really supporting your liver, which I have an entire episode about how to do that. And yeah, making sure that you don't have this buildup of toxins in your body can really help with nightmares as well. So if you have a question that you'd want answered on the podcast, please feel free to email me at martha at thecompletesleepsolution.com. And I'm excited to announce that I just started a quiz that you can take. It's called, Is Your Body or Your Mind Causing Your Insomnia? So it will take less than three minutes. It walks you through 20 questions to figure out, is this more mental? Is this more physical? What combination of both is it? Because for most people, it's a combination of both. So then you know what to address. So you can take that quiz by going to my website, thecompletesleepsolution.com. And I'd love to know what your results are. All right. Thanks for listening. And I will talk to you next week.